certainly think that implementing systems is paramount in any business. Without systems, you as an owner or a manager can't walk away from the business and let it run by itself. Disney has those systems. A lot of times you don't see the managers or the leaders at Disney because the systems are operating the way they should be. And Disney systems are simple so that any entry-level employee can grasp it and more importantly, implement it. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, Taking Care of Business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad. Welcome to Business Owners Radio, episode 166. Our guest today is Vance Morris, author of two books, Systematic Magic, Seven Magic Keys to Disneyfy Any Business and Tales from the Customer Service Crib. Van spent 10 years working for the mouse at Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. He started his career at Disney on the opening team of the Yacht and Beach Club Resorts and progressed through the management ranks and on the revitalization team of the Contemporary Resort in the mid-90s. After leaving Disney, he utilized his skills to rescue and improve many of America's companies and government agencies. His clients included Tyson, NASA, the Executive Office of the President of the United States, the Smithsonian, and the Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts. Tired of corporate life, Vance opened his own bricks-and-mortar business in 2007. After meteoric growth of his service business, he spawned his next business, Deliver Service Now, consulting and coaching other companies on how to create and implement the Disney-style service and then apply direct response marketing to profit from it. Good morning, Vance. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on. This will be fun. It will be fun. And thank you for joining us. And, you know, you've written a number of books and articles in the past. And what inspired you to write Tales from the Customer Service Crypt? Well, as we know, customer service these days is... I used to call it an insidious decline, but I think it is in a precipitous decline now. It is just taking an absolute nosedive. So I've taken 10 stories of really bad customer service that have actually happened, so there's no fiction involved. And I've laid out the story, and then at the end of it, I lay out how best to avoid the friction, how best to avoid the service that I got, and how to implement that in essentially any business that's out there. And I know in your previous book, Systematic Magic, you mentioned that 80% of the companies say they have great service, yet only 8% of those customers say that those companies have great service. Big disconnect. Huge disconnect. Yeah, and it explains a lot of the churn customers have looking for something better. What's happening here? Well, you know, I think the word customer service is not a department. And I think that's where a lot of companies go wrong. Oh, you have to talk to the customer service department. No, customer service or client experience or customer experience. I use all those words interchangeably, but it's not a department. It's a way of doing business. And for people to silo themselves into a department that is separate from the rest of the company is really 
doing a complete disservice, not only to the employees, but certainly to the clients of that company. So I think that's where a lot of that disconnect comes in. I mean, when they survey these businesses, it's just insane. You know, I mean, and it's the same companies with the same clients. It's not like they interviewed all these companies and 80% said they had great service. And then they interviewed a whole bunch of customers and they said only 8% of companies give. No, this is 8% of that 80%. So it's a massive problem right now. And it doesn't have to be complicated. And I think that's where a lot of businesses go wrong is they overcomplicate their systems, overcomplicate their delivery systems, their customer service systems. And being from Disney, we are all about systems. I mean, I spent 10 years there and everything at Disney has a system. And these are simple systems because you have to think about it. Orlando at the Magic Kingdom or at the Walt Disney World, they have 85,000 employees there. And they can't make people happy. They can't deliver the magic with complicated systems because they have entry-level or minimum wage employees that are operating the attractions. And if they had complicated systems, everything would fall apart. So I encourage people, don't overthink your delivery systems. Don't overthink your client experience systems. Vance, give me an example of a simple system that we might not be aware of at Disney where we see some of their style and so forth, but lots going on behind the scenes. I don't know how they're taught, and but it seems to work. What's an example of that? For my business, one of the things that I consider doing is disnifying businesses. And I describe the term disnify as creating an experience out of the mundane. So in every business, there are mundane things that you have to do to get through the day to have your business operate. Answering the telephone, opening the door, sending out billing, all sorts of stuff. And to the employees, that can be a very mundane thing. But it doesn't need to be a mundane thing for your clients and your prospects. Let's just take answering the phone, for example. I worked with an insurance group and I was on stage and I asked the question, so how do you guys answer your phones? And usually I get the answer of, you know, thank you for calling Dave's Allstate. How may I help you? I mean, that's just very boring. It sounds like everybody else. And you have to remember, most businesses, if not all of them, are now commodities. There is nothing separating one dentist from another dentist. Cleaning teeth is cleaning teeth. There might be two or three different methods, but it's still cleaning teeth. So what is the separator? And it's the experience. So if we go back to our insurance agents, I had a gentleman in the audience who I planted there. So full disclosure, and uh, he was one of my clients and he stood up and I said, okay, Dave, how do you answer the phones? And he's a big rock and roll fanatic. He's got Jimi Hendrix and the who all over the place, guitars hanging on the walls. I mean, the guy is just a rock and roll nut. And he has his employees answer the phone. Thank you for calling Dave's Allstate, the agency that rocks. Huge. Nobody is doing that anywhere. That is a huge separator for his business. Your marketing does two things, or is supposed to do two things. It's supposed to attract the people you want to do business with, and it's also supposed to repel people you don't want as clients, because not everybody makes a perfect client for your business. Answering the phone in that manner does both of those things. So it really kind of weeds out people that might just be tire kickers or price shoppers or things like that. 
So that's just one example. And Disney does the same thing. You know, when you arrive at one of the Disney Vacation Club properties, which is their version of Timeshare, everybody says, welcome home. So it's not just a, you know, can I see your ID, please? This reminds me of coming back on an international trip. I've done a ton of these, way too many. And the last time I came through, coming up to customs and hand over my passport, and the guy looks at it, checks the database and whatnot. He says, welcome home. And it was like, I've never had that happen. (laughs) (laughs) From a government agency. Exactly. And it was like, wow. And it really felt great. So it's amazing how these experiences and that I'm looking at so many businesses do transactions and some do experiences. How can we business owners be doing that differently? You know, there's a big difference between customers and clients. And I like to think that I have clients. In addition to doing this Disney business, I also still own my bricks and mortar business, which is a carpet and upholstery cleaning business. And I consider the people that I clean for as clients. Because if you consider them a client, client is someone that you help. Whereas a customer is, again, just a transaction. So McDonald's has customers. I would certainly not think of them as clients. (laughs) But your local hair salon or your barber would have clients because you continually go back to them because they are helping you. So that's how I kind of differentiate the two. And if you change your mindset from having customers to clients or patients, it really changes how you look at serving them. And one of the other things that makes that so is staying in touch with your clients. The worst thing that people do is they send an email when they need business. So they'll send an email to their clients or to their list and say, okay, we're having a 20% off special. Well, how would you like it if the only time you heard from a business is when they wanted to sell you something? So I encourage people, take the time to engage your list, engage your clients in conversation, whether it be through email or videos or good old-fashioned U.S. Postal Service sent newsletters. I'm a huge proponent of a paper newsletter, one, because you can't delete a newsletter. The thing shows up in your mailbox and you have to at least look at it before you decide to throw it away, which is a heck of a lot more cumbersome than just hitting the delete button on your computer. And staying in touch with your clients, I mean, talking about things that are going on in your life, things that are going on in your family and humanizing your business because people do business with people. They don't do business with businesses. And staying in touch with people and talking to them and not always selling them something is incredibly important. And Vance, what are some ways that you can stay in touch with people without bombarding them with information? Well, certainly. I mean, as I mentioned, I'm a huge proponent of doing a newspaper newsletter sent in the mail. Right now, you know, mailboxes are fairly empty because a lot of companies have gone the cheap route, which is not really all that cheap, by sending email. Everybody thinks sending email is free. Well, no, there's a cost to it. There's a cost to the service. There's a cost in time of writing the email. But it's the deliverability that is really, I mean, you're at the whim of whoever your email provider is as to whether they let your message through. The U.S. Postal Service doesn't care. They want your money or they want the business's money. So you have a great deliverability rate. Also, 
there are less people in the mailbox than there were 5, 10, 15 years ago. And I use a newsletter as my primary communication to my clients in both of my businesses. And I usually include in there, I mean, nobody cares about the latest whiz-bang piece of equipment that's going to clean your carpet, that's got the flux capacitor attached to it and all that stuff. People don't care. I mean, you're the only one that cares more about that stuff. Your customers don't. You care about it, but they don't. So you have to talk to them about things that they care about. So I include interesting articles about what's going on in the world, what they can do with their garden. I shamelessly use my family in my marketing. I have clients that have watched my children grow up as my business has grown. And while I don't go into clients' homes anymore for the carpet cleaning business, every time I will run into a client at the grocery store and they will ask, hey, how's Emma's ballet recital? And I'm like, how the heck does she know my daughter, Emma, and ballet? Oh, yeah, the newsletter. So once you have people engaged like that, once you have a relationship with your clients, that lady is never going anywhere. She will be with me until I do something so egregious or until she dies. She won't go anywhere else because I've captured her with that personality. So I know you've worked with a lot of different companies and organizations. And, you know, so I love this idea of thinking about how your customer receives information and finding the right marketing channel. As you said, you know, email can be a lazy marketing channel for a lot of things and a lazy communication channel. In addition to print media, which I agree, like mailing for some markets and some customers could be a compelling way to reach people that are underserved in some way. What other methodologies have you seen, you know, marketing channels that you think might be underutilized that people should consider? Obviously, I think podcasts are a huge way of engaging with your marketplace. I subscribe to this theory of omnipresence, where you as a business just appear everywhere. And you can use the same content. So say you write an email or an article for your blog, or you're going to send an email to your clients. I then take that email or I take that article, I convert it into a podcast and I upload that to my podcast system. Most of the time I record that as a Facebook live video so that I get the SEO traction on Facebook. I then download that and I convert it into a YouTube file. I take that and then it's posted again on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. I have a couple of different article sites. So you take one piece of content of course, it's got the links back to your company and your contact information and maybe an offer. And I take that huge network out there online and just from one piece of content, I can reach multiple people who subscribe to different social media. Not everybody's on Facebook. Not everybody does YouTube. But by doing that, I can hit many more people than if I had just done a single channel marketing item. And it can be automated. There's software out there that will do a lot of that for you. So it's, it's not cumbersome. You don't sit there for half a day uploading your stuff to different sites. It can, actually can be done cheaply too with a VA. Find them on Upwork or Fiverr or something like that. Yeah, I think finding assistance to do that and leveraging technology is really important because you can really get consumed with <laughs> trying to manage all these different points of contact. Certainly. I know you have a way of thinking about customers and trying to understand who your most desirable customer. And this is so key, right, in crafting whatever that message is going to be and how you're going to reach them. Can you break that down for us a little bit? 
Sure. You know, for our carpet cleaning business, which is my bricks and mortar service business, I have a certain customer profile, client profile. I call it an avatar. It's a 45-year-old woman with three kids, two dogs who likes to entertain that lives in a home that has a home value of north of $500,000 and a combined family income anywhere between $120,000 on up. Now you wonder why on earth would I be targeting that person? Well, think about all of the components of that avatar. One, it's a female. Still, these days, you know, more than 70% of in-home decisions are done by a female. So that's certainly a demographic that I want to target. I target that home value and that income value because I am a premium service. My prices are at least twice, if not three times higher than any of my competitors. So I don't want to market to people that can't afford my service. So we just completely eliminate that demographic. Think about the part where they have pets. If pets went away, I would be out of business because let me tell you, even if you think your dog is not peeing on the carpet, he's done it somewhere. I'm not sure where, but he has done it. So I want to target people with pets. Children, again, are inherently messy. So there's the chocolate milk spill. There's the kids playing tic-tac-toe with a Sharpie on the carpet. We can get all that out. So when I'm writing a marketing piece or writing a client attraction advertisement, that's the person I'm thinking of when I'm writing to them. And how do you help customers develop that rich narrative so they can really picture what those struggles are and talk about how to help? Sure. I mean, I subscribe to what's called the direct response marketing, where everything looks like an ad for the record clubs or everything looks like an ad that's trying to sell. If you remember the record clubs, you know, you mail a penny to them and they'll send you nine albums and then you're on the hook for a couple of years worth of albums. All of my marketing looks like that. And I use headlines that attract that demographic. One of my best working headlines actually is, has your husband done this? Question mark. And then below it, there's a, a picture of the guy parking his motorcycle in the living room, the guy knocking over his beer on the floor, or his friends eating nachos on the floor. And again, you're really talking to that target audience. So I use that headline to do that. Women are always thinking, you know, gosh, my husband has always done this or my husband does this. So they relate to not only the headline, but they also relate to the images that I use below it. And Vance, in your book, you talk about wowing the clients and walk me through what's involved in creating this experience, whether it be a service or a product or major corporations and what should they be aware of and how do they evolve from a transaction into wowing? What should they be sensitive to? Well, you know, if you think back to Disney, Disney is an entertainment company. They are a theatrical company. So, you know, everybody is an actor on their stage. Um, that's why they call their employees cast members. Now, how do you relate that to a business? When I talk about wowing, again, it's that disnifying, it's that creating an experience out of the mundane. So if you've ever been on a flight, I fly Southwest quite a bit traveling. I like them. I think they are a fantastic client or customer-centered company. They give their flight attendants and their pilots and their employees 
liberties to really do things for the people that are on the flights. You know, one flight I was on, this is a couple of years ago. I mean, think about this. When was the last time you got off an airplane and you were smiling? Probably not too often, if ever. But on Southwest, they make the FAA mandates that they make that announcement, you know, be careful of opening overhead bins. Items have a tendency to shift in flight. So as we're landing, the flight attendant comes over. Please be careful opening up the overhead bins. As you know, items have a tendency to shift in flight. As you know, shift happens. And everybody goes, ba-dum-bump, and they're laughing. And then the pilot gets in on the action, you know, as we're landing. And you know how they put those reverse thruster things on to slow the plane down? Well, as he's putting on the reverse thrusters, he's coming over the PA system saying, whoa, doggy. Now, did they have to do that? No, they didn't have to do that. If you go on United or any of these other airlines, you're not going to hear any of that. We left the plane laughing. In my home service business, one of the mundane things that we have to do is actually get into the home. If we don't get into the home, we can't do our service. So I've created a complete experience out of getting into the home. So first, the technician, he parks in the street. He doesn't park in the driveway because, God forbid, we have an oil leak. I don't want to be cleaning the driveway, and that's not providing a great experience. He gets out of the van. He's in a clean, crisp, new uniform. He carries extra uniforms in the van in case he gets dirty on the last job. He comes up to the door. He knocks on the door because salesmen ring the bell, friends knock. And in his hands, he has a special carpet that he's going to wipe his feet on. And in his other hand is he's got a gift for our client. It's a little box and inside the box is a bottle of spot remover, a bag of cookies and a little note from me saying thank you very much for allowing us into your home. So after Mrs. McGillicuddy answers the door, a technician steps back and says, hi, my name's Stephen. I'm here to take care of your carpets. May I come in? Asking the question, not just assuming and barging in the door. He then makes a very exaggerated um, effort of wiping his feet on this carpet. Uh, that we've laid out on the front porch. And then he comes in and he presents Mrs. McGillicuddy with the gift. Now, when was the last time you had a home service company present you with a gift before they do any service? I mean, think about plumbers, electricians, pest control, anybody. When was the last time somebody presented a gift? Probably never. So this gift completely separates me from all of my other competitors. The thing is, is that my competitors know that I do this and they are either too lazy or too dumb to copy it. They know I'm doing it. Now, this gift does something else. Think about it. When you go to someone's home for an event, you usually bring a bottle of wine or an hors d'oeuvre or something like that. So we bring a gift when we come to somebody's home. This gift starts a process called reciprocity. When they get the gift, they feel compelled that they need to give something back. So before we had the gift, our mid-tier sales package, you know, we ran probably 30, 35% of our total sales. When we implemented this gift, we saw a 26% increase in that mid-tier package. The gift only cost me $4.73 to make and give out. I more than make up that 473 back on every single job in multiples of 10 or 20. So not only can you provide a great experience, but there is a monetary implication of providing that experience and getting back some better profitability. It's amazing how these small things can differentiate your service or product so extremely and draw that no. connection. 
Wows don't have to cost anything. I mean, think about it. What did it cost Southwest to have the flight attendants make or the pilots make those announcements? It cost them nothing. You know, answering the phone, you know, the agency that rocks. What did that cost that company? It cost them nothing for me to do the gift. It cost me four bucks. Again, it's a drop in the bucket and the goodwill that it provides and the additional profitability it brings to the business, you just can't touch it with anything else. So Vance, in looking at the big picture, what should we be thinking about from this moment forward to really encompass this and get started? Well, you know, I certainly think that implementing systems is paramount in any business. Without systems, you as an owner or a manager can't walk away from the business and let it run by itself. Disney has those systems. A lot of times you don't see the managers or the leaders at Disney because the systems are operating the way they should be. And Disney systems are simple so that any entry-level employee can grasp it and, more importantly, implement it. And Disney sets it up, and I encourage this, it's a one sheet of paper for every little thing that needs to be done. And that sheet of paper is set up with three different columns. The first column is what to do. The next column is how to do it. And the final column, which is the most important, is why do we do it this way? And once employees understand the why, they are much more engaged in taking care of your clients and customers. Well, Vance, thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio today. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. Is there anything else you'd like to leave with our audience today? Sure. You know, I always encourage people to, you know, start small. And if you go to my website, which is deliverservicenow.com, I've got a toolkit there called Systematic Magic. It's kind of the Cliff Notes version of my book. And in that toolkit are ideas, strategies, and tactics that you can use to start implementing literally this afternoon. You just got to get started. And the key message that I always leave everybody with is you won't profit unless you implement. So if you're just going to read it and say, oh, that's nice, it's not going to work. You've got to implement in order to profit. Our guest today has been Vance Morris, author of the new book, Tales from the Customer Service Crypt, and the classic, Systematic Magic, Seven Magic Keys to Disneyfy Any Business. You can learn more about Vance and connect with his links all on our website at businessownersradio.com. Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show and, of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.